Listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820 brings you Family Sanctuary, a show that inspires living the gospel message in word and deed within our families. And now, Family Sanctuary with host Peggy Hartshorn. Welcome to the Family Sanctuary, focusing on life-giving relationships and the family. I'm your host, Peggy Hartshorn, chairman of Heartbeat International that advances life-affirming pregnancy help around the world. And today I'm really excited about our program, and I think you're going to learn a lot and be inspired uh, about something that I think most of us know pretty little about, unfortunately, (laughs) and that is the... Black Catholic history, the history of black Catholics in the American Catholic Church. And uh, I've had the opportunity to just learn more about it recently. And it's, it's, it's really a fascinating history. Uh, there, there are, there's the good news about it and there's the bad news about it. <laughs> the bad news followed by the good news, I should say. Uh, but we're learning from our experience. We have some phenomenal examples of great uh, black leaders within our Catholic Church and uh, black Catholics who are on the way to sainthood, which is a, a beautiful part of the story. And to tell us more about that and is is actually the woman who is now the Director of Ethnic Ministries in the Diocese of Columbus, Pamela Harris. Welcome, Pam. Thank you. Thank, and please call me Pam. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to the program. Pam's joining us by phone today. And uh, Pam is a cradle Catholic. Uh, in fact, when when I was getting to know her a little bit, she said, it's who I am. That's just me. <laughs> I'm a Catholic <laughs> from from Cradle On. Uh, she is uh, now has a 31 year old son, a daughter who's 21 and goes to the Virginia Commonwealth University. And she's just been the director of ethnic ministries at our diocese for two years now. But prior to that, she was the director for the Office of Black Catholics in the Diocese of Richmond, Virginia, for 10 years. And uh, although she was born there in Richmond, her family traveled a lot because her dad was in the army. Uh, but when he retired, she settled back there to Richmond. And now we're happy to have her in the Diocese of Columbus. And uh, I think, Pam, one of the the beauties uh, that, that uh, you get to be involved in with your job is hearing people's stories, because that's something that I know is very important in your work is... Uh, is helping each other hear our stories. And uh, I was blessed to hear your story of, uh, of being welcomed in the Diocese of Columbus. Tell us about that. You really felt welcome from the moment you got here. I did. Thanks, Peggy. Yes. So when I, when I got here, and a colleague of mine assisted me in locating a, a place for me to live in the community, where I was, I wasn't familiar with it at all, of course, since I just got here, was uh, Gahanna. I hope I said that correctly. You did, and, yes. <laughs> <laughs> good. And so one of the things I, I definitely wanted to make sure was that I, I went to uh, a parish that was close to home, uh, especially since I'm so used to being involved uh, at the parish, doing volunteer work. Uh, it's, it's important that I don't have to travel too far to get there. And so I went to Church of the Resurrection in New Albany, and Father Dennis Kogosi is the pastor. Uh, and it was a great experience, my first time there. When I, when I arrived, the ushers greeted me so, and welcomed me, and 
during the well, actually, before mass started, they asked people to stand, of course, those who were visiting, and I did. Uh, I didn't tell them why I was there as far as working for the diocese. I just, you know, told them that I had just moved to the neighborhood. And afterwards, Peggy, I was, I was taken aback just the welcome that I received from so many people right after mass. It was very heartfelt. It was extremely warming to to my heart, to my soul, because uh, I came here on faith to start something new as far as uh, my vocation, and to have that warm feeling of truly being welcomed to the parish. It it was really beneficial for me. I'm, I'm so, so happy. <laughs> I'm so happy that that was the, the response. And of course, we always hope that that would be the response in every parish for someone who comes in new to the parish. And, uh, unfortunately, we hear that that's not always the case. But, um, but particularly for you as, uh, an African American Catholic, you're kind of in a minority, aren't you, among Catholics? And, and you ha- I had heard you at the pro-life conference earlier this year uh, tell the story of when you didn't feel welcome in a Catholic church. And I thought that was really a powerful story. And again, I, I believe gives an example of why we need to hear each other's stories. Um, tell me about, tell, uh, tell our listeners the story that you told uh, at the pro-life conference about, about the fact that, that you at least, and I imagine this may be true for other African-American Catholics, don't always feel welcome in a, in a Catholic church. Yes, Peggy, that is true, and it, and it is unfortunate. It was while I was in Richmond, Virginia, and I was working for the diocese at the time. And I had my daughter with me. At times I'm able to have her travel with me when I go and visit other parishes outside of our diocese, outside of the Richmond area in our diocese. Uh, so we, we went to one parish that was predominantly, uh, it started out to be predominantly African-American, but it's now grown to be uh, multicultural, mainly African, African-American, and Hispanic. So I had the opportunity to visit that parish uh, one weekend and talk to the community about how things are going there, and, and just to really listen to what the needs are of, of the parish community and what the diocese can do to assist them to continue their spiritual growth together, uh, since they're all getting used to the uniqueness, the beautiful, rich diversity of what that parish has grown into. So after the meeting, I, I wanted to stop by another parish that was very close by, maybe about a mile and a half, if that. Uh, and I, I told my daughter that this parish is just so beautiful, and I wanted her to experience uh, just the the essence of the parish. And when we got there, it was we had plenty of time before Mass was going to start, and we walked in, and I, we were quiet and reverent, and I we went towards the front so she could see the altar. So as we started walking, an usher came up and asked if we if they could help us with anything, and I, I said no, but thank you. And we kept on walking, and the usher came back and was was still there with us, and informed me that mass was about to start. And I and I explained I, I understood, and we weren't going to be there long. And maybe about maybe thirty seconds later, there were a couple other ushers who came and politely invited us that 
if we wanted to stay for Mass, they felt as though we would be more comfortable attending the uh, parish that was down the hill, that that would, we, that would be more suitable for us. And it was very upsetting. First of all, I have my daughter there. She was in Catholic school at the time. And I think she was maybe in the ninth or 10th grade, if not younger. And it was just, it was embarrassing. It was a challenge because we just came from Mass and was feeling great. And then we're met with this um negativity, this unwelcome, if you will. And mm-hmm. so I started walking back towards the, the front of the the parish because I knew that's where the priest was going to be, of course, before the procession. And the ushers, they <laughs> stayed with us. They <laughs> escorted us. I wanted to make sure we were going to go out the door. Uh, and then when I when we got to the back and I saw the priest, he he's like Pam, how are you? And he gives me this big hug and and he sees the ushers behind me and he's like, do you guys know Pam Harris of the diocese? And the usher said, uh, oh, you should have told us that you worked for the diocese. Hmm. And yeah. I was like, why? So that was that was one of many unfortunately experiences that I've had, and I'm sure. Some of my brothers and sisters have had the same experience as well. But it, it just it puts a sword in your heart. It's mm-hmm. like this dagger mm-hmm. because especially we're talking about our young people leaving the church. And to have my daughter who is yeah. in Catholic school, it goes to mass, is involved, and then is met with that. It, yeah. it was just. And it, I had so to sad. keep that composure so that she wouldn't see just the, I was so angry and, and sure. upset and embarrassed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and sad for our church. And I think, you know, one of the things you and I talked about um, is, of course, this letter that uh, the uh, U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops has written and that's accessible uh, over the Internet very easily. Um, mm-hmm. I'm looking for the name of it. I've, I, I, Took the my cover sheet, <laughs> put it in the back, uh, and I, open, open wide our hearts. Open there it is. Open hearts. wide our hearts. Mm-hmm. Yes, the enduring call mm-hmm. to love, in which they yeah. talk about how the uh, there's often this uh, not only some blatant example still of of racial injustice, but also um, this the unintentional things that somehow we need a heart change, <laughs> and <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> and so uh, I it's it's sad that you've experienced that uh, in the Catholic Church, and I'm just so thankful that you've just experienced welcome here in our diocese. That makes me very happy. But we know that, and and as we talked about for the subject of our program, that um, that we've had somewhat of a checkered history in uh, the U.S. Catholic Church in terms of our African-American Catholics and uh, their welcoming within the church. So um, I, I know that the Conference of Catholic Bishops now has has really taken a lead, and uh, we have you now in our diocese, Pam, and um, there are just a lot of wonderful opportunities for us all to be alerted to the uh, injustices that may still remain and what's in our hearts that needs to change. Um, but let's talk a little bit. You are such an expert on uh, the history <laughs> of the Catholic Church in the United States and particularly focusing in on the black history. Um, there have been some some history that we wish had not occurred that uh, uh, 
tell us for tell us for example about Father Tolton. I know he's some of the some of the listeners. I hope have heard about Father Tolton. Um, what happened about uh, with Father Tolton, who was the first um, African American born in the United States to become uh, a Catholic priest? Is that correct? Yes, and uh, I'm, I'm certainly no expert, but thank you for thinking of me <laughs> of that way, as far as the the whole history. But yes, so Father Tolton. Uh, he was met with adversity when he wanted to become a priest. Uh, it, when he was in Illinois, he met this wonderful priest who wanted, who encouraged him to go into the seminary. But unfortunately, uh, in the United States, he wasn't accepted because of the color of his skin. Uh, so he had to go all the way to Rome in order to do his studies. And it's it's sad when you have to have you have this young African American man who knew his call was to give his life to the ministry of our Lord and Savior, to give his life to God, to be there for all people of God, but had to go to Rome in order to fulfill uh, all that he needed to do in order to go through the studies and and. Uh, learning, and when he comes to back to the United States, he still met with adversity. Mm-hmm. And I found it fascinating reading his his story that uh, before he was assigned here, the leadership, the magisterium, just felt as though that the United States had moved further. And now we're talking about in the 1800s, I think. Yes, uh, it was right it, after the Civil had, War. Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, of course, here he was met with uh, adversity, but yet he he did his best uh, that he could to uh, not only shepherd people who are African-American, but all people. And he and I'm sorry, I don't have the church in front of the name of the church in front of me now, but there was one particular uh, church where he was pastor of that he, he brought people, white and black, together. Mm-hmm. But, of course his white counterparts had uh, an issue with that because their parishioners were following and going to where Father Tolton was preaching. They were losing uh, parishioners, huh? <laughs> they were losing parishioners, yes. And so, and it's not like the parishioners were leaving the church. <laughs> they were just, <laughs> they were going where they were being fed. Mm-hmm. And I just, I just find it fascinating how even in the midst of of the whole spiritual uh, growth of a person, that that journey in in ensuring that they are receiving just the the word of God, that whoever is whatever the conduit is, you know, God equips all of us to be priest, prophet, king. That's who we are when we're baptized into uh, the church, and so we're supposed to take these charisms and share them and not let it remain on the inside. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, when you look at Father Toten and so many others, and even today, there, there are still some challenges. Uh, it, it's very hard. It, it's like you have this uh, flame that's diminished. I remember when I first started working for the uh, diocese, I was so excited. I was, I was like, wow, I'm going to be around all these priests, these clergy, it's going to be great. And I guess I made the mistake, maybe, perhaps, uh, putting priests, you know, on a pedestal, I guess, uh, because the main, the, I only saw them when they were at, on the altar. 
And I was like, oh, wait, they are, they are people. <laughs> yeah, right. They are, they are human. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, so I had to accept and, and, and continue with that. But that's now. Yeah. Back then, it, it's just you have these forces against you. And then it's this whole hypocrisy, if you will. And I'm not stating, saying that the church is hypocritical. I'm not saying that at all. But um, what I'm saying is that we're teaching that we're all made in the image and likeness of God. But, but this person is not equipped or right. is, is not the right skin color to effectively minister to all people. Yeah, we fall short. So That's certainly we true. We fall we short. Fall short. Mm-hmm. Well, let me reintroduce Absolutely. our guest today, Pam. Um, it, our guest is Pam Harris, who is the Director of Ethnic Ministries for the Diocese of Columbus. And uh, she's been in her in this job two years, although she brings a lot of experience as the Director of the Office of Black Catholics from the Diocese of Richmond. So, Pam, I know um, we're talking today about Black Catholics in the history of the U.S., excuse me, in addition to Father Tolton, who I, I, we have some black Catholics that are now on their way to sainthood, including Father Tolton. Can you tell us about some of those, Pam? Yes, so uh, which is very exciting because right now there are no African-American saints within the Catholic Church. Uh, so we're, we're really excited that these uh, causes are slowly opening up, uh, and I say slowly, and I don't mean to say that negatively, but you have uh, years ago, and this was before I even knew anything about him, like uh, Pierre Toussaint from out of the Archdiocese of New York. His uh, cause was open, and I I do believe also that uh, Sister Thea Bowman is one of the newest ones uh, that her cause has been open, and if anyone knows Sister Thea Bowman, uh, we were we we're excited about when she when her cause was open because we recently had uh, a program about walking with the saints, and it was an opportunity to uh, encourage people to find out more about these the various causes that have opened up with the with these African American uh, individuals like Sister Mary Mother Lang of the Oblate Sisters. And I believe Sister Thea Bowman was Franciscan. I'm not I yes, I, I wanna yes. say she was. Yes. But, <laughs> yes, and that's so, true. Uh, which is great. Uh, but with her preaching and teaching I can understand why. Uh, and and so and Julia Greeley, who's out of the Archdiocese of Denver. And so I think I think one of the important things that we need to understand about this as well is that when we talk about the rich diversity of the church, we, we're talking about a, a reflection of who we are. And so to see that we have uh, men and women, holy men and women of God, being lifted up, uh, it, it speaks volumes as far as you know where we are as a community, as a, as the Catholic Church. Uh, and it shows our young people that, yes, the, the church does speak to me where I am. We talk about going out to the peripheries, but we also talk about meeting people where they are. And to be able to see the diverse group of individuals, Sister Henriette DeLille from out of the uh, Archdiocese of New Orleans, and it's just it's wonderful to be able to see all of them being lifted up and having someone to see, like, wow, this this is actually something I can do. I mean, of course, they're not here right now, but 
we're all called to live a life of holiness. Sure. And these individuals remind us that, yes, this is, this is what we're called to be. Mm-hmm. We, are, we are called to give our all in what we do. Sure. And, and how else can we, how else best to do that is to uh, mirror some of these great people who we're, we're finding out about. Uh, like I said, with Mother Mary Lang, she's with the Oblate Sisters of Providence. Uh, and so, and Henriette, Sister Henriette Delille was the founder of the Sisters of the Holy Family. And so you have you have all these individuals who have done so much because of their passion for Christ, and even in the midst of adversity that all of them have had to endure, they still remain. They remain because they knew that they were there something bigger than earthly possessions or, or any human on earth can provide for them. Mm-hmm. They knew that what they were doing was for the glory of God. That's and right. I, I feel I can understand and relate and have that passion, that fire burning inside of me, because I'm Catholic, as, as you had stated, I'm a cradle Catholic, and it's because of the Eucharist. It's not because that this particular parish doesn't welcome me or this particular parish has icons that do not look like me, or this music is uh, a little bit more traditional or, or Latin or whatever, and that's okay, but I want something that speaks to who I am and who God has created me to be. Mm-hmm. Well, I think so, you know some of these stories uh, of the, the, I can't, I'm really eager to hear more about the lives of these people who are being now their causes for sainthood are have been opened. And um, you mentioned one book on uh, black Catholics in the USA. Let's talk about some resources here. If people want to know more about this, what is the book, Pam, that you were recommending? Uh, well, one book I was recommending is called uh, Black Catholics, The History of Black Catholics in the United States. Mm-hmm. And it was a, it's a book written by Father Cyprian Davis, who was a Benedictine monk of St. Myred Archabbey. Uh, and he was also a professor of church history at the St. Myred School of Theology. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he uh, wrote this book, and I think it was in, I have it in front of me now. Uh, it was in 1990. Okay. And he provides this wonderful timeline of, of, of our history from enslaved uh, Africans who, who came over to the, who were brought over to the United States, and uh, many were baptized into the faith because that's who their owners were, uh, and just remained, remained a part of the Catholic community. And he also mentions about uh, Daniel Rudd, who brought uh, people together to talk about black Catholics and ministry to black, to black Catholics. And the great thing about that is that that is now, well, it is called the Congress Gathering, and we still meet today, even today, the National Black Catholic Congress that meets every five years. And people who are black and white participated. So it wasn't just uh, one particular culture, one particular group. It was everyone who had this love of God and this love of wanting to ensure equality 
uh, for everyone who would gather together. Mm-hmm. So Father Cyprian Davis did a great job. Uh, not that he needs my uh, approval, <laughs> but he did a great job on on the book. And unfortunately, he passed at the time that he was in the midst of writing a second book. And so the last that I've heard from my understanding, Dr. Cecilia Moore uh, picked up on the book to finalize it, but I'm not sure where that is uh, at the moment. But I'm excited and hoping that uh, we will see a part two of of that book, because I think with the first one, it uh, ends maybe around in an up to 1970 or 80, I believe. I, so we, we need to know more of the, of the current history. I hope someone can bring it up to, to date. That would be wonderful. And I know we talked before the show about, about a video that people can see on YouTube of uh, Sister Thea Bowman. So search that on YouTube, Sister Thea Bowman, who is uh, also, her, case, her cause has been open for sainthood. Is that correct? The Franciscan yes. sister, so yes. And I guess it's a, mm-hmm. I haven't seen it yet, but I'm eager to see it, a beautiful video of her uh, with the U.S., uh, some of the bishops at the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops. So that would be something to consult. Also, the bishop's document, which you can get online, Open Wide Our Hearts, which I believe just came out two years ago. And, um, and then, of course, there are resources for the parish, uh, and for Catholic schools that you can provide, Pam, um, at the Ethnic Ministries office at the diocese. So if you want to check with Ethnic Ministries at ColumbusCatholic.org, uh, Pam will get your email, and um, you can also find out at ColumbusCatholic.org the kinds of programs that are available for the schools and the parishes. I believe you said now, Pam, you're working with a program called Building Intercultural Competence from the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops. Is that correct? Yes, I I do. I am a trainer for for that particular program. And the purpose of uh, Building Intercultural Competence for Ministers, which is uh, BICM for short, you know how we love these acronyms, is that it focuses on evangelization and building synergism between communities within the church. Wow, we need Uh, that. And it really... Yes. And Pam, unfortunately, and yeah, we're we're just out of time. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> Without having Pam here in the studio, she can't keep track like I can of our of our time. But it's been great having you on, Pam, and we're going to have Pam on another program. Uh, so be sure to tune in again and listen to the Family Sanctuary on Saint Gabriel Catholic Radio with Peggy Hartshorn and myself as your host. Thank you again, Pam, for being with us. And uh, Thank you. you can find our programs also streaming live on stgabrielradio.com and archives at stgabrielradio.com. Our Family Sanctuary is broadcast at 4 o'clock every Saturday and 2 o'clock on Sundays. So please join us again to strengthen our families and make them sanctuaries of life as God intends. Family Sanctuary is a production of listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820. Archives of Family Sanctuary with Peggy Hartshorn are available at stgabrielradio.com. Veni, so-